0: Up. The way I'm swinging today, nothing bugs me except insufficient applause. Now give me the lumba. Hey, I think you want to hit the two-iron, boss. You said I want the big dog. You got a tight par five here, man, with the out-of-bounds on the left. Uh, I don't think you want to hit the driver. The two-iron seems like the deal. Well, I'm not going left of those trees or right of those trees, okay? I'm going over those trees with a little draw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That way I get home with two. That way I'm putting for eagle now. You don't need an eagle to qualify. You need to practice playing it safe. No, Mr. Qualify? I want the course record. Now give me the lumber. You want the driver? Hit yeah. Hit the driver, tin cup. Get ready. Woo! We are tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. The U.S. Open is a true testament of a golfer's ability to manage a course from tee to green. And can we just make things a little bit more difficult this week? Sure. Sure we can. We are looking at Torrey Pines playing host to the U.S. Open, and six of six golfers is going to take top 60 in ties. Not top 65. So get that out of your head. The U.S. Open rivals the Masters for me and probably comes in second only to my crown jewel, the Open Championship, and we've got a loaded field and a course with some real nasty in it. Yet, we can't go and do this show without this greeting. Hello, Canada. Hello, Australia. Hello, USA. And hello, UK. What's up, Germany, Sweden, South Africa, Spain, New Zealand, Lithuania, California, What's up, Indiana? We like you now. Thank you for your handle bottles of Buffalo Trace. And a shout-out to Henrico County? Again? Up here again? I want to give a shout-out to New York, New Jersey, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. All my friends out in Plano listening out there. So, as always, we like to remind our listeners that we can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. So please subscribe. And stay up to date with the cut line. Of course, you can go to CutlineGolf.com. Find all the resources, free resources, for your PGA DFS analysis. So if you like what you're hearing, leave a like, leave a comment, hit that love button. But if you are a new listener... Douchebag says what? What? We're going to smash this week. But if you're coming back, <laughs> you guys are glorious. We love you. Love you, suit. I'm Mike Lunas at Lunas on Twitter, and the US Open is here, and we are going to tackle this like a kid in a candy store. Remember, again, all your DFS needs, check out CutlineGolf.com. We have the simulator. Simulate this tournament with all your own manual input. Like, you can adjust so many factors in the simulator, and it's free, helpful, shows you guys missed cuts. You can adjust pars, course difficulty, course ease. It's all there for you. We have our custom projections, the course report, and soon enough, we'll have the core four up and running. And the tournament model is going to be up soon with our new advanced strokes gain data from 2021 available on our Microsoft BI platform. Best part, it is all free, But we cannot do this without our sponsor. Moon shoes, Gravity. many no Big Look, I know what you're thinking. You want to get a little pep in your step, a little bounce in the ounce, right? The best way to do that, get yourself a set of moon shoes and blast off. I wear them on the golf course, they help me with my game, and they're going to help you with your game, moon shoes, go buy them, buy them for your kids, buy them for yourself. Fantastic. Now the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the US Open at Torrey Pines. And we're going to do the best we can. What is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? I guess it's all that pump and, pump and dump. To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax greenside side sand traps and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And the cut line is here to give you the best place to build your best lineups, winning lineups, smashing lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names, and getting six of six golfers through the cut line. We're gonna bring the raucous, the wisdom, and dedication. Give you guys the best plays this week. So it's Wednesday night. Lineups lock in just a few hours on Thursday morning. It's the U.S. Open. Who is going to be the chalk of this weekend's tournament? The guys I trust, Fanshare and FanshareSports.com. So if it, very easy fix. If you're not subscribed, go to FanshareSports.com and the discount code, write the word cut line and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. Remember, ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. FanshareSports.com. So this is a tournament that forces every golfer to play their best game, and no particular advantage or style correlates to this tournament typically, very commonly. You need to be strong from tee to green. You need to be strong from t- strokes game total, essentially. And we're looking at guys like Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Martin Keimer, Justin Rose, Webb Simpson, Roy McIlroy, Graham McDowell, Lucas Glover. Yes, that Lucas Glover. Past winners, just to name a few and I don't think this weekend could get any sweeter, but Torrey Pines brings its own list of challenges. So the question is, what are the golfers going to be looking at this weekend? Simply said, go to cutlinegolf.com, go to the course report, and you can get this little bit of information, but we're going to go over it anyway. The last time Torrey Pines played host was the U.S. Open was in 2008, and if you haven't done so, make sure you go back and watch the highlights of Tiger outlasting Rocco in a 19-hole playoff to win the Major. He did it on a broken leg. It's insane. It's one of the best major wins I can remember seeing when I was a young, young lad. Can anyone say goat? Tiger Woods? Yeah. Yeah, this course is going to play different this year. Over $12 million was available to install a new irrigation system and replace every bunker surrounding every green on the course. In addition, two holes were extended, and several fairway bunkers were replaced to cause further aggravation for the Bombers. While I'm sure there will be some correlations to the 2008 version of Torrey Pines, I would not place much stock in those numbers to create your player pool. The fact is, we have new technology, new golf clubs, and tons of players that are hitting over 300 yards, versus in 2008... It was just a few, a little bit of a handful. Now you're not going to see it set up like it typically is for the Farms Insurance Open either. The course will be manicured to be as difficult as possible. The rough will be the thickest we have seen in this season, and and it's highly unlikely that we'll see anyone break Tory Pines as we have seen in the past. Patrick Reed <clears throat> minus fourteen. Tory Pines is going to require an elite t green game. In fact, the U.S. Open intentionally designs its courses to produce a. Uh, Produce a course that just doesn't get a hot putter, right? It doesn't mean that you need to be dialed in an approach. You're not dialed in off the tee. You need the complete tee to green game. The winner is going to need all the tools to come away with this victory. To add additional stress to your day, the cut will occur after 36 holes with the top players in the top 60 in ties, 6-0. So this creates some tough going for those 6 of 6 lineups. So those of you that intend on playing that tight, tight player pool could help you, could severely hurt you. The course will have a slow uproading and somewhat flat terrain with incredibly tight fairways, so be witnessed early as hole one is often played as one of the toughest on the course, so don't freak out when all your players start plus one on the day. The holes will get to continue to challenge each golfer, but nothing is more painful for the short hitters than number 6 as it turns a 515-yard par-5 into a par-4. In 2008, this hole alone witnessed 33 double bogeys, the most of any hole that week at Torrey Pines. To add to the drama on Sunday, hole 17 is built now to break golfers. The new renovation moved the tee box further left, forcing golfers to drive into a landing area that is nestled between two fairway bunkers. Anything off-target is going to be penalizing, 17 used to be an easy hole. Not anymore. Might change at big time this year. It's the U.S. Open. You're going to see plenty of golfers struggle in the potential for only a few in contention to be the ones or slightly under par. At or under par. Can't wait to see Tory show its teeth. Of course, a William F. Bell design, designed by Reese Jones, redesigned by Reese Jones in 21 and 21, 2019. grass with POA greens, typically BOA, POA now, 45, uh, 4,500 square feet greens. Stint meter probably 13 to 14. It is a major after all. 7,652 par 71. Don't make that mistake. That par 5 is a par 4. Two water hazards in bunkers all over the course. Looking at the weather ahead. Live weather widget, cutlandgolf.com. It looks like it's going to be gusty and windy, and that's coming off the coast, and that's okay. It's pretty common here at Torrey Pines. But The thing I want to see is the weather. The weather draw, right? Are we getting any rain? No, we're not. Not right now. Not at this time. So there's really no tee time advantage. We'll see how that weather can change, though. Anything can change with the drop of a hat. We'll be cognizant of that. Past winners include DeChambeau, Gary Woodland, back-to-back wins for Brooks Kepka, and of course, Dustin Johnson. And who could forget Dustin Johnson's fall part three putt in 2015, which allowed Jordan Spieth to win the U.S. Open. Martin Keimer, Justin Rose, and of course, Webb Simpson in 2012. That was a long time ago, 2012. So, Starter says, what key stats are we looking at this weekend? Ball striking, strokes gain approach, strokes gained tee to green, scrambling, driving distance, and fairways gained. I think these are all essential for you guys to get in a distinct advantage and analysis of who's going to play well this weekend. Of course, similar courses. I like that U.S. Open rotation, Harding Park, Corrales, Beth Page Black, and Jackson Country Club. So that'll do it for the course report. The next question is, who are we going to play this weekend? He's two punts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Lines Birdie or Better segment where we'll break down each tier golfer up from the 11K range down through the 7K range try to identify the best plays for this weekend's U.S. Open. But before we do that, it's dance floor time. Let's go. So this week stands for is going to look at lineup construction and how what I believe is typically going to be your, your common build. And I think most people to build their lineups this week are going to again, start from the top down. This is a loaded field. And the mistake's going to come and them trying to get lucky down in that low 7K, 6K range. Here's my advice in terms of build strategy. You want to get different, you want to build your strongest lineups. Remember, you're looking at guys like Paul Casey at 7,900, Abraham Answer at 7,900, Sung J M is 7,600, Jason Kokrak is 7,600. The number 22 in the world of the official world golf rankings is 7,600 dollars if you want to get different the way you do that is start building from the bottom up find the value guys that you want to play deviate at the top get different ownership right now it's going to be really spread out minus someone like xander who's going to be popular right uh so make sure that you're conscientious of that the fact that phil mickelson is 7700 dollars. i think he's mispriced i think they're trying to to capitalize on like the nostalgia of, of Phil completing the career Grand Slam. Whatever the case may be, you want to start with Phil at $7,700, you want Phil in your lineups, that's where you start your build process from. I think that's going to create your uniqueness in your lineup builds. Most people aren't going to do that this weekend. There's going to be a lot of fish, right? Everyone says, oh, U.S. Open time. I'm going to be watching golf this weekend. People who don't normally do it, they weren't watching golf at the Palmetto. That's for sure. So take advantage of all the fish. Join those big entry contests if you want. Join that MME. Max out the 20 max with the 10, 12 player pool, 10 person player pool. Go to that 150 max. Look at a player pool of like 20 to 24 guys. But identify your core plays. Identify who you want in these lineups. Build from the bottom up. That is how you're going to get distinct this weekend. Make sure you look at ownership. Don't be afraid to eat certain chalk. Everyone in this top tier, minus a few people, is going to have double digit ownership this week. So be conscientious of that. It's one thing to eat chalk, it's one thing to have your whole lineup fail because you build incorrectly. Be smart, build better, build smarter. All right, so let's break it down. We're going to start in this top tier, and that's Johnny Rahm, Jordan Speed, Dustin Johnson, DeShambo, and Brooks. Kepka up here in the 10k range. First of all, John Rom's gonna pop on everyone's single model. in in my personal model, he's number one in the confidence model. And the confidence model takes a, a bunch of serious information from ownership to Vegas ratings to my overall stat model, which takes into account like the 2021 ratings, some fantasy national information, all this types of information in and, and kind of disaggregates this information weighted wise into one. Single rating, the aggregate model does this, but it's based off of the overall stat model, approach model, scoring model, in fairway and greens model, and you can find this on, on on CutlineGolf.com and access all this information. But anyways, John Rahm is just absolutely shining, and it really sucks the way he had to withdraw from um just a couple weeks ago. So when you look at our power rankings, John Rahm ranks number one there too. Like he is on fire. The problem with John Rahm, he's $11,200, right? If John Rahm doesn't win the tournament and you don't have the nuts everywhere else, you're not winning a lot of money, if any. So be smart. Jordan Smith, next guy I want to mention, and the reason is he is not someone I love. He walked into a win here at 2015 with Dustin Johnson three-putting. He's terrible off the tee, like awful 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 uh just off the tee and i really don't think i want any pieces of him and i don't think the dfs realm is really considering jordan speak either for this particular tournament i mean if you look at him this year he's 88th in the field and hitting the fairway in 2021 and he's 76th in ball striking because he's so bad off the tee that was not terrible He's middle of the pack bad off the tee. He's 64th in the field. But the other issue is, is that he just doesn't have the driving distance. So if, if his driver's off and he has to scramble, and, and don't get me wrong, he's great at scrambling. He's 22nd in the field. I, I just don't love the play at that price at $10,900. You can most definitely go down to Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Kepka. And I think all three of these guys are in play. I'm not going to go into the detailed stats over these guys. We know they're elite golfers. We know how good they are. We know the pedigree of Brooks Kepka at majors. And if he's seriously going to come in lower owned than the other three, then take advantage of that. I think people aren't going to play dumb though. They know Brooks comes to play at the U.S. Open and he comes to play at all majors. as We saw that at the last PGA Championship where he almost won. The point being is that, There's no fading Brooks Koepka anymore. He's going to be popular. And people are going to take advantage of his game at the U.S. Open. So we'll see. That's where you could potentially pivot to a lower-owned Bryson DeChambeau. A lot of people saying he's going to have issues driving the ball, hitting these fairways. But, again, that length may not be a big deal. If he can hit the ball out of the rough and approach the green like he did last year he won, it's most definitely an optimal play. And, of course, Dustin Johnson. Has won the U.S. Open before, just won the Masters just two years—well, uh, not two two years ago, but the second the Masters two session, two tournaments ago. So we know the upside that DJ has. He kind of fizzed out last weekend at the tournament, but I think he's just kind of holding back, holding back for the U.S. Open. So there's a lot to decipher here in terms of like what you want to play up in this top tier. Projection wise, the only one I don't love is Brooks Kepka. He's projecting to finish twentieth overall in terms of like DraftKings actual projections. So it'll be curious to see what that tends to lead to itself. But the fact is, like you look at him in terms of all stats, minus something like putting. Like he's getting better. He's getting better with time, and he's getting better as he come back. In terms of his PGA stats this year, he's 31st in ball striking, 11th in approach. Is struggling to hit the fairway, and we'll see what happens. But he is one of the very few golfers who in the last five years has made 4-4 four, four cuts, and he's got an average finishing position of fourth place. So you want to talk about tournament history. Granted, it's a rotation at different courses, but still, Brooks Koepka in play. So the 9K range really changes things up. This is where we get our first curveball. Now... Let's get let's just get it out of the way. Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley, 2021, fifth place, 2019, third place, right? 2018, sixth place, 2017, fifth place. That is a very impeccable record at the US Open, which thus is going to lead to major chalk this weekend. You look at his PGA stats, fifth in ball striking. 17th in driving distance, 6th in greens in regulation, 3rd in scoring, 1st in strokes gained par 5s. Like how are you going to tell me not to eat the chalk on Xander Shawley? Well, there's regression. Negative regression. We could see that happen, right? There's a lot of things that could occur here with Xander. And I think if his ownership continues to pump itself up, which I think it will, I think we'll be in like the upper 20% when it's all said and done, just because we're going to have a lot of people who don't really pay attention and know a lot of golfers here, that he is going to be over But look, he missed the cut at the PGA Championship. He missed the cut at the last major. Um, did finish 11th at the Memorial, 14th at the Wells Fargo before that, 3rd at the Masters. So it's not like unheard of for Xander to miss a cut. I get the course history here at Torrey Pines course history at the U.S. Open. If you can, just to get different, bet him. And don't play him in DFS. But more on that later. So, continuing on in this range, Colin Morikawa. I continuously think that he just is overlooked every week that he is in the tournament field. Him and Justin Thomas. Him and Justin Thomas both are just continuously overlooked I, I I think they can go to any tournament and win just based on their skill set. They are elite scorers, elite approach scorers, elite off the tee. But the thing is, Morikawa's been playing really, really good. In the last 12 rounds, he's first in my approach rank. Eighth rounds, first in my approach rank. Last four rounds, first in my approach rank. You look at his stats at the U.S. Open. He did miss the cut in 2021, but he finished 35th in 2019. Is the course kind of tailor-made for his game? No. It's not. It's not, it's, it's not perfect for Morikawa like the PGA Championship is. And I think the biggest issue for him is the driving distance. He's kind of middle of the road, which isn't terrible, don't get me wrong. But if he's missing fairways, which is a common thread sometimes when Morikawa struggles, he's 78th in scrambling. So don't expect one of those miraculous crown uh, like achievements where he's going to come back. So Morikawa comes with risk. And that's the difference, I think, with Justin Thomas is that Justin Thomas's risk is a lot less because he is such a good scrambler. Even though he's hitting the fairways at such a lower clip and a lower percentage, but he does drive the ball way further. He's 33rd in the field in terms of driving distance, but both are one and two in approach. Uh, Thomas, because of his struggles off the tee, you know, is lower in ball striking, but is very good. Both are very good at avoiding bogeys. So they're solid on par fours. They're solid on par threes. They're solid on par fives this year. So they're both viable options here. Justin Thomas, 9,700. Colin Morikawa at 9,500. So that leaves us basically with Cantlay and Reed and Rory. Rory, if I'm going to play him, is more of a leverage ownership play. He could potentially get lower owned, but we'll see. I, I hear a lot of chatter from you know various outlets in the industry to where he could get some ownership here And Justin Thomas is the victim that, that, that kind of set aside. If that's the case, I'm going to jump all over JT. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that he can win any tournament and even just looking at JT specifically for this one, he's fourth in my conference model, seventh in my overall stat model and 16th in the aggregate model. So, it's key to point that out. One thing I will note, though, is that in my power rankings, JT ranks number two. Right, he ranks number two. So just to round off that the the top ten of the power rankings, we got John rom Justin Thomas, Xander, Bryson Morikawa, Finau, burger Hovland, and then Rory. Rory rounds it off. Uh, he tied tied with Terrell Hatton. So DJ isn't even cracking that. Neither is Speed. Neither is Kepka, and then. A lot of factors go into those power rankings, but still, um, it's something to know. Continuing on with the 9K range, though, brings us to Cantlay and Patrick Reed, okay? Patrick Reed always brings his A game to these majors. The problem here, and I have not listened to any shows this week, I think he's going to be talked up a lot, but for good reason. Right, you look at his course history last five years. One missed cut, average finishing position of 16th place. Okay, so he's looking really good in terms of like his course history, uh, or not course history, but tournament history. In my overall stat model, he does rank 38th, but in my confidence model, he's top 25. Aggregate model, top 30. So what do you do with Patrick Reed? There, there, there's a lot to look at here. Like Reed in the in the last 36 rounds. 93rd in greens and regulation gained. 108th in driving distance in this field. But he is 4th in three-putt avoidance. So if he's dominating those short greens, I, like the short green, the green, I can could, I could see it. The fifth place at the Memorial, it wasn't a surprise, right? But he missed the Charles Schwab cut, which was a joke. 17th at the PGA Championship. 6th at the Wells Fargo. The upsides there, the hatred... For patrick reed is there so it will suppress his ownership unless somehow like people just forget that is he still gonna be double digit owned absolutely but still he's a viable option a viable candidate to kind of round out your lineups if you're building bottom up so patrick cantley 9100 again another guy here that you look at his course history Three straight made cuts at the U.S. Open, but really not that impression. Average finishing position at 36th, 43rd in 2021, uh, uh, 21st to top 25 in 2019, so it paid off then. But at 9,100, that's not going to do it for you this week. He needs the top 10, top 5. Looks solid in the approach model. Of all the guys who've been like in terms of recent form, cantley looks good on approach. He looks good off the tee, and he looks just impeccable in scoring. So I'm going to buy Patrick Cantley here. I think a lot of people are not. I think they're going to go in a different direction. He's going to probably end up around 11 12% ownership, maybe even less than that. If that's the case, I'll take that advantage. We're on the West Coast. We play Cantlay on the West Coast. Don't play him on the East Coast. All right, so I'm going to buy into Cantlay. We are going to play him this weekend. So let's go down to the 9K range. And this is interesting because you have a lot more golfers in here that can really cause you some stress. And and number one stressful golfer that's here is Tony Fino. The man who can't win on PGA Tour has all the talent in the world to do so. All the talent to win a PGA Tour event but cannot put it together on Sunday. He can't do it. Why? Why can't he figure it out? I don't know. But looking at him in my model... Eighth in my overall stat model, eighth in the confidence model, thirteenth in my aggregate model, in the power rankings, Phenow is number five. Number five. We look at DraftKings projections. Finao is projecting to be the eighth top projected player. It's hard to ignore Phenow here. It's a, it's hard to ignore him every week. I, like I get it. It's a tough pill to swallow, right? You want to play a guy who keeps missing you know, wins when he's up on Sunday that is, if he makes the cut, he could potentially struggle like we saw him at Augusta. Totally struggled. I had him in some of my lineups. I think I had him all my three maxes. So it's a hard pill to swallow, but I get it if you want to fade. Deki Matsuyama, Webb Simpson, I'm not in on them. I don't hate it if you guys are. It's most definitely a viable option into your GPPs. The only reason that I'm just not going that route is just I I don't see the fact with Matsuyama and Webb Simpson. The problem with Webb is is the driving distance, right? It's 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 a hindrance here in this course. But he's still hitting fairways, but he's got to pull the driver out, and we know how terrible he is with it. All right, Matsuyama on the other hand, he's been pretty solid all year. And ranked seventeenth in those twenty twenty one like weighted models, and one thing I'm pointing out though is that like the scoring is down. I get that he won the Masters and he won a major, but he's forty second in scoring, so that's a bit concerning. The other thing is that he's almost he's barely cracking top forty in par three and par four scoring. So I would chug cautiously with Matsuyama, but I don't hate it. Will Zalatoris, on the other hand. Three major championships under his belt. I'm sorry, not wins, but appearing at these major tournaments. Top 10s. Going to have his official tour card next year. Buying buying will zalatoris he's getting reduced ownership i thought he would have been just like chalk donkey here in this situation like closer to 20 25 ownership it's just not happening people don't think zalatoris is going to come through here at the u.s open which is fair enough but the guy's done everything in his power to prove you wrong that he's going to be just fine so i'm going to buy into will zalatoris this weekend and his ability to dominate this course. Scotty Scheffler is not getting a lot of love. And I don't know why. Like, I really don't know why. In my overall stat model number 12, confidence model 15, like, in my approach model, like, he's improved. In the last 50 rounds, he was 37th in my approach model. Now, in the last four rounds, he's ninth. He's ninth overall. In terms of his stats, the only one I'm worried about in terms of overall stats, his strokes gain approach, where he's still in the top half of the field at 63rd. Does have two missed cuts in the course history here at the U.S. Open, but the one time he made the cut, top 30. Take top 30 uh, upside at 8,500. Take that. I'm going to buy into Scott Scheffler. I think you should too. So here's where we're going to get a little bit chalk, and that's Louie. Louis Ustuzin at 70 at dollars Already looking at 17 18%. Just above him is Terrell Hatton coming off his little wedding and Shindig and Shebang. He's coming in a little bit above 18 19%. So you got a lot of options here and a lot of pivots. You can pivot to Daniel Berger, you could pivot to Corey Connors, who has been somewhat of you know a breath of fresh air this year. Of course, you could pivot down in that seven seven K range, go to Paul Casey, Abraham answer, Matt Fitzpatrick, but we'll stick here. We'll stick in this eight K range. I like Scotty Scheffler when others don't. He's coming in at single digit ownership. I like Daniel Berger coming in at single digit ownership. Now these are the the type of plays that could burn you, but respectively, Berger's tenth in the confidence model. Scheffler is fifteenth in my overall stat model. Berger is eleventh, while Scheffler is twelfth. Okay. Looking specifically, though, at the power rankings and this like 7K conundrum that 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 or this 8K conundrum that's going on, you don't really see a lot of guys up here in this top 10. You got Finau, who is sixth then Berger is seventh, and then we don't hit in the top 10 again until Terrell Hatton in ninth. And then after that, is outside the top 10. Scheffler's outside the top 15. And Webb Simpson barely cracking the top 20. And then Zalatoris, Corey Connors, Louis Ustuzin just barely sneaking in the top 25. The point being, I don't know if you can completely fade the guys above the AK tier, but there is some potential options to roster a majority of these guys in the same lineup and still be successful. So be smart about what you're trying to do tighten up those player pools in like a 20 max and the three entry max i think that's pretty smart here because no one really knows what is going to happen until those golfers tee off and start playing we don't know how the course changes are going to affect them we can all speculate and we all have our own ideas but still it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds so let's go down to the 7k range and the 7k range is going to wrap up that birdie or better segment for us um there's a lot of golfers here almost that just doesn't make me want to go down to that 6k range um guys i like in the 7k range ryan palmer streelman wallace charlie hoffman harris english bubba watson joaquin neiman sungjay and jason kokrak that's my 7k range right and and there's a lot of options here like you could go i see a valid argument in rostering sergio garcia Like, you want to go for scoring upside, regardless of tournament history. Like, you look at Siwoo Kim, you put him in your lineups. You could go somewhere like, you know, Garrick, who just won, right? Go back to the winner. Why not? Why not go to him when he's $7,200? And and because it's a a major championship, he's going to come in at, at lower ownership. Take advantage of it. How often do you get to play a person who won a tournament at, single digit ownership it's basically never so uh looking at the 7k range and the power rankings we're going to break this down right now it's interesting to see where these guys shake out because it didn't necessarily fall the way i thought it would and there was were, there, were, there were a few surprises at the top and nothing was more surprising than shane lowry in those power rankings being number one I was absolutely shocked that that was the case. And 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 I don't think I can do it. I don't think I could play Shane Lowry when I could play Answer or Fitzpatrick or Casey. And it's not that I hate Lowry as a golfer as a pro. I really just don't think his golf game is suited for this environment. He's going to have to be somewhat accurate off the tee and if he isn't it's going to be a long weekend. And if you look at him statistically, if he's missing the fairways, he's going to have to scramble. And he sucks at scrambling this year, rated outside the top 65. And remember, it's top 60 and cuts this week in order to advance in this tournament into Saturday and Sunday. So, continuing on with the 77,000 range Paul Casey, Abram Answer, and Matt Fitzpatrick. I love Answer in this spot. Looking at him. In in, in in all my models 17th in my projections model 22nd in the confidence 15th in the aggregate 29th in the overall stat model minus the last four rounds been dominant in approach dominant off the tee you look at him at the US open he's got two of two straight mid cuts you are hoping for top twenty five upside here from from him but the question is will it occur and we're not really sure so He's dominating every model, from the scoring model to the putting model to the approach model. So I'm I'm really loving answer. Now the only caveat I hear and see is that in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, which you can find on fanchairsports.com he's ranked 78th, and part of that is probably the driving distance. He's not a huge hitter of the ball, but he could probably get there enough. He can get there enough to be successful. Of course, Matt Fitzpatrick, he hasn't been playing that well lately. He is kind of out of form if if you look at it in, in detail, right? He he started well on approach, looked okay, but then missed the cut at the memorial. We saw that. So it, it's interesting to see what's going to happen with someone like Matt Fitzpatrick, who can tend to maybe get some steam, get some popularity, especially at that price at 7800 I mean, it's such poor pricing in terms of like how strong the field is that like some of these guys are 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 highly regarded i get it if it he with the 10th place finish at the palmetto i get that yeah that's recent but i don't really want to count that course because this is just a different monster here at torrey pines so again though i see the upside here in playing fitzpatrick continuing down in the 7k range jason Kokrak, sung jm these are guys who are coming in lower owned Guys who are in the top tier of the uh, official world golf rankings. We're talking the top 30. is 25th. Koch is 22nd. In terms of the projection models, 29th and 25th, respectively, as to where they're appearing. In my confidence model, 16th for Koch's. 31st for Sung And the overall stat model 15th and 19th, respectively, for the both of them. So there's tons of options here to get them in your lineups, roster them, and play them to your advantage. Uh, they are right now coming in at lower owned. Lower owned plays. Not necessarily pivots by any means, but they are lower owned. Kokrak is probably gonna gain steam. There's no doubt in my mind. Like his game is kind of suited here right now. He's looked good versus Sungjae, who hasn't looked good. Has looked terrible, coming off a miscut the weekend before, costing people money. So the the fact is, this weekend, like you do what you do, obviously. But there there there's a way to get different here if Kokrek gets super popular. I'm not going to go jump on the Neiman train. I get the Sergio Garcia train. I just don't like Neiman that much. I I think he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Fits this course well. And it's probably going to bite me in the ass. But his approach has been pretty bad recently. He rakes in the bottom half in the last eight rounds. So hopefully he figures something out away from the break. I will play him in, in like 150 max. I don't think Neiman will make it to my 20 max or my 3 max. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll see. Uh, Adam Scott, no thank you. Leishman, no thank you. Brian Harmon, no thank you. But Bubba Watson, I'll take that T game. I'll take that that ball artistry that he has, going left, going right, attacking pins with pin-seeking missiles. Will he be able to do it? Eh, probably not. But still, I think it's worth it. You look at his course history here at the U.S. Open, and this is where, where the high risk comes in. Fifty-first in 2016, three straight missed cuts, and then 31st in 2021. So there's a lot of risk here to take on. I don't necessarily say, "Hey, go roster Joe Schmo and, and get him as a part of our uh, our team." So like, it'll be interesting to see what happens here with Bubba Watson and how many people jump on board. Of course, Harris English, Harris English. In terms of like his history, is 4-for-4 four four in the last five years, but his average finishing position is 36th place. I like English this weekend. I think there's a lot of upside. He, he is looking somewhat decent in my approach model, especially when you look at his long-term form versus his recent form. He is just rounding it off. 26th in my overall stat model, 37th in my aggregate model, 34th in the confidence model. In terms of projections, he's right now projecting 26th overall in the field. A lot of options here, obviously, in this tier. But I would take it. I would take this and run to the bank or to the top of your GPPs, however you want to take it. So the last guys I'm going to mention here in this 7K range that I'm going to roster, Charlie Hoffman, Garrett, going to to roster him again. He's coming up a win. I get it, but that's going to suppress ownership. People think he can't do it again. Well, I'm going to buy that he can do it again he looks so good last weekend Matt Wallace Kevin Streelman Ryan Palmer these guys are all options of course you can deviate you know differently if you guys want to go down Ian Poulter you want to take a shot on 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 Molinari not going to recommend that by any means but Kevin Na, you know we have tons of names down here that you can already kind of witness and see that need to be part of your build construction or at least in depth analysis in and, and studying of the PGA slate so well, that'll do it for the Birdie or Better segment. Let's move on to something better. I can't do it. I can't do it. Double digit ownership, guys. Guys, we can't play. Let's break it. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 How? No. Can't do it. So this is the Cutline's favorite signature segment, everyone loves it, can't do it, won't do it, double digit ownership that we can not play in our tournaments. Alright, so I'm going to go out on a limb here, I am not going to play Xander Shoffley, there's nothing about his game that I like, that I don't like, I'm going I'm to state that right now, like he is a solid player for a reason. He's popping in everyone's models. We know what's going on. We know how well he's been plating in terms of, like, course history. But the problem is we're always due for regression in golf. How often is he going to finish in the top five, top ten? I guess we could have talked about Zalatoris, too. It's kind of unprecedented in, in, in a way for such a young golfer to finish top ten so far in every major that he's participated in. But still, Xander, Xander Shoffley, the course history is going to drive the ownership the amount of fish in the sea, the DFSC, the metaphor, is going to increase the ownership. But I mean, the stats are there fifth in ball striking, 17th in driving distance, 17th in strokes gained T to green, 35th in strokes gained around the green, third, third in scoring, 60th in scrambling, though. So if anything's off with Xander, he could burn your lineups, right? You got five, six, and then Xander's going through. And he ends up burning you because what? He's exhausted or what? Because he's old? It's an option. So I am most definitely gonna be fading that kind of idea, that concept, and probably take those guys, you know, home with me and kind of go in depth and analysis with them. But moving forward, the other option is Shane Lowry. And Shane Lowry as terms of double digit ownership is like 17, 18%. I don't want pieces of him because I think he's gonna have troubles trub, trouble trouble. Scrambling as we've seen, and I get it, he hits the fairway well. I just think the course could be too long for for him, and the wind is not going to be that helpful at this point in time. But you never know what's going to happen. Point being, I don't want any pieces of Shane Lowry. All right, MG monsters are guaranteed. Let's look at the 6K range. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he'll make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut, miscut. I guarantee he'll make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he'll make the cut. So this is the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we look at the 6K range and pick the guys that we expect to finish in the top 25 or better. But as we always do in the MG, we always like looking at the player pool and seeing who metrically is shining at this point in time. And as we load that up, I'm pretty certain we're going to see some common names up here at the top. So right away we get Eric Van Ruyen, Ruin, we got Johnny Vegas, Lanto Griffin, Dietrich, Sebastian Munoz, Hendrick Stenson, Brendan Todd, right? These, these aren't names I'm surprised to see. So they're, they're not necessarily like the top plays, the guys that you want to play. This 6K range, the reason they're priced that way regardless of the soft pricing, you might have some blow up holes for some of these guys. So cautious playing anyone in here. I know like Zach Johnson is down here, everything of that nature, so... Just a little bit of a of word to the wise. Now, one guy I want to point out here, and it's a not play, but it's RCB, uh, Cabrera uh, Bayo. And here's the issue he has made five of five cuts, don't get me wrong, in the last five years, but his best finish was 23rd, and that was last year. And he followed a 65 up and 36, 42nd and 30 seconds so i don't know if he has the upside i don't know if rcb has the upside here to finish in the top 25 because he's only done it once granted he did it last year maybe he figured something out but the truth is he's been pretty bad this year so guy i'm going to go to next though is john huh and i can't believe i'm doing this because in the last five years we got we have no u.s open data but for the for the mgs you look at the course stat like tournament stats this year on pga tour he's 21st in fairways hit and doesn't hit the ball long so that's going to be an issue especially here but if he's hitting in the fairway there it could make the course easier for him rather than the bombers who are missing the fairway i think i think it is like if you're going to be pragmatic If he's not hitting the fairway, he's missing the cut. If he's hitting the fairway, he's competing. He's in contention, and hopefully we'll see him on Sunday. Point being is that I don't know if he's got enough height to get there, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's something that we'll try. It's something that we'll try. So, All right, so let's move over to Martin Laird, who we talked about last week. And he was disappointing. He missed the cut. Didn't look that good. I think part of it was because he wants to play well here this week. So you look at him, and he's not really popping anywhere. Like in my approach model and last week, he was terrible in approach. But there was a point in time where you know he was getting 20, 25 strokes in terms of approach and in, 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 in my scoring model. So Laird is a punt play. It's a high-risk play. Don't go crazy on it. And I know he's going to go in single-digit ownership, but if you have MME going, don't just lock in these 6K guys and say, okay, I'm done, unless you're willing to take on that risk. So, Last two guys I want to mention are Brendan Steele and Brian Stewart. Oh, and Chris Baker. So all three of these guys look solid basically based on their metrics. You, If you notice that they're decent enough ball strikers – Decent enough drivers of the ball, you know, with the exception of Stewart, that 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 it's an option. You don't necessarily need to go to Stewart, but you know, throwing throwing it out there just to help him out. But um in the confidence model, sixty-third for Steele, 95th for Stewart, 98th for Chris Baker. So we'll see what's going on there. But I just don't really love this 6k range. Um, just a few guys I wanted to mention when you when when you look at the player pool builder the 6k range you know guys like EVR who I don't hate but I don't necessarily love on this course you know Tom Hogue do, do you want do you think he can come through again so there's a lot of things that we're looking at that we need to fix and figure out but other than that let's take it home let's go let's take it home Oh, you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That was the Cut Lines Breakdown of the U.S. Open. Join us next week as we break down, I think it's the Travelers. I think it's the Travelers. I'm pretty sure it's the Travelers. may not be the Travelers. Either way, join us next week as we break down the Travelers. It's the Travelers Championship, I'm pretty certain. And again, thank you to Fantasy National, PJ Tour, and the FanshareSports.com. I'm Mike Cavalunas. You can find me on Twitter at Lunas, L-I-U-N-A-S. Of course, go to cutlinegolf.com to get all your free DFS necessities to get your fix in, get your wins in. Go and get them, boys. Get some winners. Go and get them.